Praise the Lord. Well, uh, I was over to see uh, Tom and Elizabeth this week and uh, dropped off uh, your warm Valentine's greetings to them. And uh, they wanted me to convey their gratitude, but Tom's here. Tom, can you just give a big glory for that? Glory. <laughs> and uh, when I was there, uh, Elizabeth uh, pulled out a joke for me. And uh, so, if you uh, are offended by this joke this morning, it's Elizabeth's fault. I just want you to know that. Uh, I'm washing my hands of it completely. It's, but if you enjoy the joke, then I just want to thank you for listening to me this morning. Hallelujah. So, here, here we go. So, this was given to me by, by Elizabeth. So, this, this one's for her right this morning. Hey, hey Tom. Here we go. So, <clears throat> Mark is a loving husband. But he was in trouble. He forgot his wedding anniversary, and his wife was really ticked off at him. She told him, tomorrow morning I expect to find a gift in the driveway that goes from 0 to 200 in under 6 seconds, and it better be there. The next morning, Mark got up really early before work. When his wife woke up a couple hours later, she looked out in the window, and sure enough, there was a smaller box gift-wrapped in the driveway, sitting, in the middle, uh, sitting right there in the middle of the driveway. She, confused, she put on a robe, she ran out of the driveway, she took the box back in the house. She opened it and found a brand new bathroom scale. <laughs> Mark has not yet recovered or taken visitors in the hospital at this point. <laughs> so, just saying. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Thank you for someone to blame it on, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> ah. Uh, well, we've been talking uh, this year about going back to the fall, about taking our life to the next level, and then in the new year, we've been talking about taking our church together uh, to the next level. And uh, and so I just want to quickly, and I mean, do mean like two slides quickly. It's all said not working today. No problem. We'll do it the old-fashioned way. There we go. Uh, taking our church to the next one. Today I want to talk about going from glory to glory. And before I get there, really quickly, I talked about the reason that I think this is important is because there's a trend in modern Christianity to separate our personal journey with Christ uh, from the church. And it's completely unbiblical. There is no uh, example of that. There is no Lone Rangers. Everything was about establishing and building the kingdom through God's church. And uh, and then last, or two weeks ago when I was speaking, we talked from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, and, uh, you know, how basically the scripture says to lay aside every sin and the, and the weight that so easily besets us, and how the scripture is really talking about the environments that so comfortably envelop us. Do you remember that? And uh, basically, we talked about how important it is for us to uh, uh, make sure we throw off those environments, and if we do, the great irony is that if we will throw those things off get rid of those negative environments, and we'll be able to step back into them in the power of the Holy Spirit and take territory for the kingdom of God, right? But once we have found ourselves strengthened and built up by the body of Christ, built up by one another, it gives us a power to go back into environments we couldn't even handle uh, in our earlier part of the journey, things we had to cast off, and God gives us a new authority to be able to uh, take those territories for Him. Praise the Lord. And if you want to hear about that, you have to go online and because uh, uh, I'm not really going to say too much more about it this morning, I want to get right to our message. Now, I'm going to put a fair bit of scripture up on here to start this morning. 
taking it from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 7, 18. If, it, if you can't see it on the screen, look it up in your Bible, because I know you all brought your Bible to church, right? Yeah. All right, digital or otherwise, you've got to have it with you, all right? So here we go, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7 to 18. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, everybody say therefore. Therefore, Therefore, since we have such a hope, everybody say hope. We are very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, everybody say to the Lord. The veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. Freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Whoa, that's a good passage, isn't it? Somebody get happy. Now there's a little bit of digging we got to do here this morning. So you understand what Paul is saying. But this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And, uh, but I got some fresh understanding out of it in the last uh, uh, you know, number of weeks as I was studying this word. So I'm going to ask the Lord to help uh, me this morning so that I can uh, be of assistance to you. So Lord, we just ask this morning for Holy Spirit to, to Lord help me as I convey your word here this morning. Your Scripture is light. It is truth. It is, uh, Father, strength to the weary. It is hope to the hopeless. It is joy to those who are downcast. Father, we ask this morning that, Lord, as your word goes forth, that it would indeed uh, bring hope to hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's start talking about our hope that the Scripture addresses this morning. It says that our hope is that the glory, basically, in a nutshell, that the glory uh, that we walk in is more glorious than the glory that Moses walked in. That's essentially what the Scripture is telling us. And uh, it goes to some great lengths to help uh, make some comparisons. And in fact, Paul asks three questions, right? He asks three questions. The first one he asks is, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? He said, if the ministry that brought death, which was the law, engraved in tablets of stone, and if that had glory, even though it was fading... Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? Then Paul asked a second question. He said, if the ministry that condemns men, because we know that the law, when we couldn't live up to it, brings condemnation. He said, if that condemns men, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? Oh, come on. And then he says, third question, he said, if that which was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory which lasts? Are you getting this this morning? Paul is comparing the glory under the law to the glory in the life of the Spirit. 
He's comparing the glory that, that Moses had and embraced and was able to walk in and, and even caused his face to be radiant and he had to cover himself so that the rest of the Israelites could not look upon it. He says, if that was glorious, how much more glorious is the, uh, the glory that we have in the Spirit? Are you getting this this morning? I mean, this is, I used to think that story was amazing, that Moses, you know, uh, was up on the mount. He received the tablets of stone from the Lord, and when he'd been with the Lord, he came down from the mountain, and his face was so uh, radiant from the presence of the Lord that he had to wear a veil because the Israelites could not even look upon him. And then I come to this in, 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 in Paul's scriptures, and in Corinthians, and he says the glory that we have is greater than that glory. Isn't that wild? The, greater the, you and, the glory you and I walk in is far greater than the glory that Paul uh, says Moses walked in. Now, this is really important for us to understand. Well, how is it greater? Well, Paul says one was based on the law. You see, the first glory that Moses came down radiating after the tablets had been written on stone was rooted in law. And Paul says that it brought death. And we could get into the whole theology of that. Does that make the law evil? No, but it, what it does is it reveals the evil in, in men's hearts. And it's kind of like this. If I said to you, uh, don't think about a purple elephant, what's the first thing that comes into your mind? Exactly. So when the law served that uh, in us, in our lives, that when it said, you know, pointed out these things that we weren't supposed to do, all of a sudden you become aware of your desire to do those things. And in that sense, the law itself isn't evil, but it reveals the evil in us. And so that's why Paul said that the law brought death, because if we couldn't meet the standard, we were condemned, right? So uh, it's not that the law was evil, but it pointed out the evil in our hearts. And he said it was a, it was a ministry that was written on tablets of stone. He said it was a ministry uh, that condemned men. He said that it was a ministry and a glory that was fading away. But... By contrast, the ministry of the Spirit brought life. The ministry of the Spirit brings life. Amen? It brings life. And the Bible says life, abundant life. Not half life, not quarter life, but full life. Amen? And then he said that the glory of the ministry of the Spirit was even more glorious. More glorious. I don't know why there's a Y in there. <laughs> That this glory brought righteousness to man. It brought righteousness to man. It brought proper alignment to man. It put us into a place of walking in our purpose and our destiny. It, it brought righteousness to men. And that it is a glory, not one that fades away like Moses' glory, but it is one that lasts. It's one that lasts. Not just in this realm, but forever. Ever. Amen? Everybody say forever. forever. And this is the hope that Paul talks of. This is the hope that we have, that we have a ministry by the Holy Spirit of glory operating in and through us that is vastly superior to anything that anybody in the Old Testament, including Moses, walked in. Are you hearing me this morning? Does this not sound familiar going back a couple weeks, right? Where in, in Hebrews, uh, it tells us that all of those Old Testament saints of faith that chapter 11 talks about, even though they did great exploits for God, they could not receive the promise. Why? Because it couldn't be received, Paul says, apart from us, who are his church. The glory 
of the Lord. Are you not excited this morning? That's why Paul says, because we have this hope, the hope of a far greater glory through Christ. Because we have this hope, he says, we are what? We are bold. We are bold. We are bold. We don't walk around hiding who we are. We don't put a veil over our face. No, we let it shine, right? We let his glory shine. And I believe that the, that the, the stronger your walk is with the Lord, the deeper your relationship is with the Lord, the more your countenance is changed. And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. And how that we actually begin to reflect the nature of God to those around us. People will notice you smiling when everybody else is depressed. People will notice that you are living a prosperous life when everybody else seems to be struggling. People will notice that you have joy when everybody else is walking around weighted down by the, the, all the trials and tribulations of the world. And it isn't because those things don't come near you. They do. They're just not allowed to stick. Because you're walking in something with something and carrying something that is different and is, is whole and is healthy and is filled with the Spirit of the Lord. And people will notice it. Hallelujah. And that's why I tell Christians all the time, you know, if you're happy, then tell your face. If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. Right? If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. I mean, think about it. Because what, what happens is people don't have this incredible ability just to see inside you. They've got to see it on the outside. Amen? Anyway, we'll talk more about that in a minute. Okay, I, I'm digressing. So we're not like Moses who kept his face veiled. And he had to keep it veiled because Israel could not look at it. Because they could not, why couldn't they look at the glory? Because the glory cannot be held through the law. The glory of God cannot be embraced through the law. All they had was the law. It only, Paul says, comes through Christ. So only through Christ can we embrace his glory. Only through Christ can we stand in his presence face to face. Only through Christ can the veil be pulled down. And that's why Paul says, even to this day, now, now he obviously was talking in his day when he said that, but even in his day in the first century when the Old Testament was written, or read, I should say, in the temple, he said there was still a veil covering people. Right? But he said, not so with us. Because Jesus is the glory and the lifter of our head. Amen? And for us, we are able to stand in his presence. We're able to, be, we're able to, to get right up on Papa's lap, and we're able to enjoy his glory and his presence. And we're able to have a personal relationship that nobody in the Old Testament could achieve through the law. Because you can't get there through the law. You can only get there through Jesus Christ. Only through Jesus Christ. Somebody say, only through Christ. Only through Christ. So there's our hope. There's our hope. Now let's talk about our freedom. I thought it was interesting that they sang that song where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom because it's taken right out of this passage this morning. Major kudos to the worship team. Without me having to tell them, they must have been listening to the Lord or something. You know, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, freedom. Freedom. Ask anybody who's ever been imprisoned, anybody who's ever lived in a country where freedom is not uh, allowed, where freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of conscience is not permitted, what it feels like to be free. 
and they'll tell you there's nothing greater. Our wars have been fought over freedom, over the right to, to govern ourselves, to control our own land, to be free from someone else's control. That's what it's all been about. Look through the, the history records. It's about freedom. And the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. 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 Who are we in Christ? We are those who have had the veil removed, who have the hope of His glory. We are also the people who are free. Hallelujah. See, when you're free, you're no longer bound by darkness. It doesn't matter how negative the press gets or the news gets. It doesn't have to take you down because you're not bound by that. Because you're free. Amen? Uh, you know, you're actually, I'm going to give you a, a really cool piece of advice. You're actually free to get up out of your chair and turn it off. You have that freedom. You can turn CNN off. It, it's, it's so easy. In fact, they've made it so easy nowadays, you don't even have to get off the couch. You can use the remote. It is that easy for you. You have that much power in the exercise of your freedom. You can just go click, and it's gone. Whew. Wow. You say, well, it didn't make all the circumstances they're talking about go away. No, it didn't. But it did limit their ability to take you down, right? Off. Yes, Peter? Uh, yes, it does, but, um, but you don't need to do that to walk in freedom. Uh, you know, but it does work that way. And, and just, you know, it works for Fox News as well. Now, uh, you know, just in case someone thinks I'm playing favorites. It works for the CBC. It works for, uh, for any of them. You know, you can just go click and you can silence the, the noise uh, that's being fed into your brain. Someone say amen. So we're no longer bound by darkness. We're also no longer behind a veil. We're no longer hidden. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We're not hidden. We're not veiled. Christ is proud to put you on display. He wants to show you off to the world. He wants to say this is what you can have. This is who you can be. This is how you can live if you will accept my life and my joy. And you say, well, I don't know if I'd make a good example for that. Well, then we'll talk more about that in a few minutes. Hallelujah. And we're no longer hopeless. I mean, we're, when you're free, you're not hopeless. When you're free, you realize you have options. You don't have to continue down this path. You can actually take a different path. You realize that you have liberty. You don't have to stay in that sin that continually comes after you week after week, day after day. You know what? You don't have to go there. You can go in another direction. Are you hearing me this morning? You have choice. So therefore, when you have choice, you have hope. You take away people's choice and you take away their hope. But if you permit them choice, they have hope. And Jesus gives us great liberty and great choice. In fact, the scripture says everything is permissible for you. But then there's a little caveat. It just says not everything's beneficial. Right? So in other words, we, we, we're not bound uh, and, and to behaviors by law. We're bound because it's not beneficial to us. By, and we're bound, therefore, by love. Right? We're bound by love. Praise the Lord. All right. Ah, okay. Now, here's where I want to get into a little bit of, 
you knew with me, you're going to have to study a little bit of word or something in here. And um, uh, I want to talk about a couple words in this passage, verse 18. And it says, And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Everybody see that this morning? Now, you'll notice that I, there's two words that I did in bold. What are those two words? Unveiled and transformed. All right, so let's look at that first one, unveiled. That word comes from the Greek, uh, anakalupto. Everybody say that? Anakalupto. You guys will be speaking Greek before you know it. Anakalupto. And that word means to uncover or to disclose. To uncover or to disclose. And... Uh, it's interesting to note that the tense in that Greek word, now this is not something we're familiar with in English very much, but in, in most of the Latin-based languages, you know, the verbs all have tense and, and mood and stuff like that. Well, or, uh, I should say the nouns do, and the verbs and everything in Greek does, both nouns and verbs. And so here the verb, uh, it says its tense is not one of uh, one-time unveiling, but it is rather of a veil that once removed remains unveiled forever. Okay, so it's of an action happening that once it happens, it stays that way. All right, you can tell that in the Greek language just from the ending on the word. Whereas in the English language, we say unveiled. We, does that mean, oh, we're going to put a cover back over it? Does that mean uh, you did that just once or does it mean you have to do it again tomorrow? But in the Greek language, by the endings on the words, you could tell what the word was actually trying to say. It's a marvelous thing. And so it would, the, the, the tense in this Verb means of unveiling, means of something that once uncovered, that remains that way forever. Okay? Do you understand that this morning? So, this is what the scripture is, is showing us this morning. And we must be willing to permanently remove that veil and take an honest look in the mirror and acknowledge the condition of our present stage. So, this verse is, is telling us in context that we with unveiled faces, it says, look basically into a mirror or see the reflection. And when we do that, we're supposed to take a look and see what needs to be dealt with so that God's glory can permeate. All right, we need to take a hard look at our present condition, our present stage in life. And at, because once we're unveiled, it's all exposed. Okay, does everybody follow me? Okay, now the next word, transform. Everybody say metamorpho. Now, this probably is a little bit more familiar because you'll begin to see how a lot of words that we use in English uh, come from Greek, like metamorphos. It comes right from this word, metamorpho. And uh, the Greek word metamorpho is made up of two different words. Meta, which means to exchange, to trade one thing for another. And then the uh, word morpho, which is talking about our outward form, right? The outward form. And I find this very interesting. You say, really? Are you sure it's not talking about our inward form? No, no. It's actually talking about the outward form. And this is where I need you to pay close attention this morning. It's actually talking about the outward form. So when you put these two uh, words together, all right, metamorpho means to transfigure or to transform one's appearance. To exchange one appearance for a new appearance. Now this word... Um, how many know the Old Testament was translated into Greek, and it's called the Septuagint? You ever heard that word before? And you'll see, if you're reading commentaries and stuff, you'll see an L and an X and an X. And whenever you see that, they're referring to the 
to the translation of the Old Testament, which was written in Hebrew, into Greek, all right? And that's called, the LXX stands for the 70 people, the 70 people that worked on it, the Septuagint, where it gets its name from. Not really important, but what is important is that you understand that they took the Old Testament, they translated it into Greek for people in Jesus' day to be able to read it in what was their common language, all right? And so that, when that translation, you have to understand, in the entire Old Testament, this word does not appear once. In the Septuagint, it's not there once. And this word, metamorpho, only appears four times in the New Testament. Only four times is it found in the New Testament. All right? And uh, those four times are in the New Testament are in Matthew 17, verse 2, and Mark 9, 2, when it was referring to Jesus being transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. The word being used there is metamorpho. That Jesus stood in front of the disciples and he was changed. His very countenance, his outward appearance morphed right in front of them and he was changed. Right? That is two times where it's used. A third time it's used is in Romans chapter 12 verse 3. Where Paul tells us to uh, have our minds uh, uh, transformed by the renewing of the mind through the word. That we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind through the word of God. That word transformed there, how we're to be changed, uh, is, is interestingly enough, even though it's talking about our mind, it's going to have an, an outward visible fruit in our life. Think about that. That's the same word being used right there. It's going to have a, an outward effect on who we are. And then the fourth time it's used is right here in 2 Corinthians 3.18. Only three times, or four times, I should say, it's used in the Scripture. So what does this passage tell us? What's it telling us? It's speaking to us that when we come into Christ, uh, this is humming a lot. Can you just back it down a little bit? I'll just yell louder. Now, <laughs> this word, therefore, it speaks to very real, real concrete change of our minds and even our outward appearance. That when we are uh, transformed, right, that, that glory, he's saying, is going to be reflected in our outward appearance. Paul is telling us that we can exchange our present status for one that's more glorious. That's what that word metamorpho means. That we can, uh, uh, as we are uncovered, as we are... The, those who are unveiled, those who are exposing who we are and his glory, that then we can exchange our present status for one that is more glorious. That's what this word is teaching us. So what does all that mean? Well, let me wrap it up here this morning. It gets down to the best part of the message. From glory to glory. Verse 18, I want to read it this time from the New King James Version. I read it from the NIV, but let's look at the New King James and what it says here. It says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed, metamorpho, into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, when I used to read this passage, I'm going to be honest, I did not really understand the full impact of what the Scripture was saying. I didn't really get it. And uh, pondering it over the last uh, week or two, I've come up with some deeper understanding 
of what this passage is trying to say to us. And it provoked me to ask a question. Am I going from glory to glory? Are you going from glory to glory? Are we moving from glory to glory as a church? Well, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, I began to think about that passage, and um, I used to interpret it that it meant, well, from, you know, glory to glory meant that I'm going from this struggle into something better. But that's not what the Scripture says. It doesn't say going from a mess to glory. It says going from glory to glory. And then I thought, well, yeah, but it's, okay, what it's talking about is just going from the Old Testament law to the New Testament law, or the New Testament uh, spirit. But then I realize as you look at this passage, uh, you know, Paul says, but we all with unveiled face beholding, he's talking already to the redeemed, right? Already the, the audience he's talking to. That, and then he says, and that's why even in the NIV it says, with ever increasing glory, the King James says, from glory to glory, he's not talking about just going from the law to the spirit, but he's talking about how every uh, believer is called to go from one dimension to another dimension to another dimension. So are we going from glory to glory? Are we going from glory to glory? Are we going from glory to glory? Then I got thinking, well, if, that's, if it doesn't mean those other things, then, and, then it means from glory to glory, then, then I've got to look at my present situation and say, is my present situation glorious? How many would say your present situation is glorious? See, uh, it's amazing. It, you know, it's more glorious than you think it is, but most of us go, yeah, I don't... I don't don't feel very glorious. And so I think what God's trying to tell us to do is that we need to transform our present situation into something more glorious. We need to, uh, you know, take what, what situation we're presently in and we need to, to shift this environment through His Word and through faith and through uh, prayer and we need to transform this so that then we can go on to the next that. Right? Do you understand what I'm saying? If we're going to move from glory to glory, then we've got to have established glory here to go on to the next glory. I was like, wow. Oh, Lord, that's just incredible. So this is what I concluded. I won't be promoted to the next realm of glory until the realm where I am presently is glorious. God can't promote me till I finish my assignment where I am. God can't take me to something better till I deal with what's in front of me right now. And sometimes as, as the body believers, we're asking God for, for you know, we want to see a, a huge revival, Lord. We want, to, we want to just see you do something here like you're doing at Toronto, or like you're doing in Bethel, like you're doing here, like you're doing there. Uh, but yet we have not shifted the atmosphere where we presently are so that God can take us to the next one. If we're going to keep moving, you know, upward and forward, then we have to transform our present environment. We, got, we have to stop living below our potential where we are right now. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? You can't go from glory to glory until you're radiating God's glory where you presently are. Then God can take you to the next level. From glory to glory. Whereas the NIV says, ever increasing glory. God wants to take us upward and forward, upward and forward. But we've got to establish the foundations right where we are now. We've got to get this thing operating according to God's word right now 
then he can take us to the next level. Praise the Lord. Now, let me just put up my concluding slide here. So what does that mean? How do I make sure that the atmosphere I'm living in right now is the glory that the Lord wants? Well, have I done all the Lord's told me to do right now? If the Lord's put his hand on your life, he's called you a particular ministry, he's called you to do something right now, are, are, are you fulfilling what God's purpose is in what you're doing right now? Would you be able to say yes and amen to the assignment of the Lord? Would you be able to say like Jesus, it's finished? Would you be able to say, yes, I'm done, I'm ready for the next thing, I'm, I'm God, I'm ready to be promoted, I'm ready to be taken higher up, further in, Lord, I'm ready. Have I completed the assignment as the Lord instructed? Or did I come up with my own adjustments, my own plan, my own ideas, my own, you know, uh, little sitcom of events, you know, shall we say? Or have we done it as the Lord called us to do it? You know, so many times God calls us, we get a clear vision in the beginning, and then as we start moving forward and it gets too tough, we alter the assignment. People have been doing that with the Word of God for a long time. You can go to a lot of places and you can hear people alter the Word of God to fit their circumstances all the time. Right? You know, uh, the Word of God contains some pretty bold promises, and I see people all the time going around adjusting and making excuses for God. <laughs> Have you never run into that? And, and, you know, God says, no, don't do that. Instead, complete the assignment. Stand in, in faith by my Word and, and, and move forward with it intact. Right? Don't mess with it. It, it is what it is. And move forward. Have I done it professionally and on time. God may have given you a particular assignment. Did you, did you do it professionally? Did you do it with the very best of your ability? It doesn't matter whether your assignment's working in ch uh, children's church, on the worship team, uh, you know, ushering, uh, serving as an elder or a deacon. Whatever assignment God has given us, do we do it professionally? Do we do it on time? Do we show up early? Do we give it our best? You know, we can't transform the realm of we're in until we've given it everything we've got. Is my financial situation glorious? Or am I living in financial shambles and debt? There's no greater, I think, uh, weight tied around the church of Jesus Christ's neck than debt just like all their neighbors. Because we're not living by biblical principles, we're living by worldly principles. Hello? <laughs> Credit card debt out the wazoo. I mean, people just living beyond their means everywhere. And the Bible is calling us to get this stuff cleaned up, get it fixed up. And we can't expect God to take us to that next assignment he has for us unless we fix the realm we're in right now. So how do we fix our personal assignment? Well, we, one of the areas is financial. That's even true for us as a church, as a body. You know, we got we to gotta live financially victoriously. We got to be... Out of debt, we got to be free from that, the shackles of that thing in order to be able to accomplish the stuff God's given us to, to do right now before we even dream about the next assignment. Right? I'm making it get a little hot here. It was a, whew, whew, didn't think it was going to be that hard to transform my, my present reality into glory. Hallelujah. Uh, is my life an example to others or is it a failure? of which I'm embarrassed or ashamed. 
You know, God can't take you to something better, to another life, to another, you know, uh, dimension in his kingdom. If, if, you know, you're sitting there ashamed of the, of the way things are turned out now. Why are you ashamed? Why are you embarrassed? Because, you know, you know we, we all know this is not enough. This is not sufficient, Lord. There's more that you want to do. We've allowed a, maybe a sin. We've allowed a lie. We've allowed a discouragement. We've allowed something to come along and rob us of our victory, rob us of our joy. And, and people watching from the outside looking in, they can see when the body of Christ does not walk around with a, a being metamorphosed, being transformed on the outside so that our image reflects the glory of God. That doesn't mean you need to be, you know, faking it every day, happy, happy, joy, joy. And, you know, something really bad happens, you can't even tell people, you can't admit it. That's not my point. My point is, is that, you know, when we have those moments, there's a body of Christ around us to lift us up, to encourage us, to build us up, so that for the most part, we are able to walk around every day filled with His joy and with His presence. That's who God called us to be. And finally, have I brought this part of my life to a glorious finish? Let me use an analogy from parenting. When my son Derek got married, a dimension of my assignment as a parent was done. I'd raised three children. We'd raised three children. <laughs> See, there's some things, lessons are slowly learned, right? Uh, but uh, we, we raised three ch- children. And uh, when, when Derek was finally married, there's a sense in which you realize that assignment's done. Until they all move back in with you. And then you, you realize, well, maybe not quite done. But, uh, but you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? That there are, there are, at that point, the Bible says that when a, a man is joined to a woman, he's supposed to leave his mother and his father and, and, be, and cleave to his wife, right? So that the two become one. You know, even though we, want, we can still help, we can step in, we can do certain things, the reality is all that we've invested, all the work we've done, everything we've invested and sown is now got, it's, it's time for it to pay its due and its dividend, and we have to largely let go. I can't, I can't solve any marital issues for them. I can help, I can give guidance, but it's their marriage, it's their relationship. They're their children. I'm here to support them and help them. But it's not my job to raise them or discipline. It's my job to pump them full of sugar and send them home to their parents. You know, that's, that's what happens, you know. Uh, you've got a reassignment as a grandparent. It's different than what it was as a parent. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? And in life, we can see how those transitions take place, how we, we can see where we had an assignment, and then when, we, when our children are finally married and they're finally off on their own, that our assignment changes. And in order for that, that future for them to be glorious, then we have to have done the very best we can. We have to have made the present situation as glorious as possible. And in order for the next generation to go to another level of glory. So if we can understand that when it comes to raising families, can we understand that with every other dimension of the kingdom of God? That in order for this, this body of believers to be even more glorious in the next generation, then we have to make sure that we've got things operating in this generation well, and then we can pass glory on to the next generation, and it can be even more glorious. So that we can go from glory to glory, or we can go, as the NIV says, from ever-increasing glory. We can move higher up and further in in the kingdom of God. That's what God's called us to do. And assignments will come, assignments will change, but God's called us to go from glory to glory, to ever-increasing glory. 
That's what God's called us to do. And that's why the church of Jesus Christ, even if it's persecuted, even if it's hunted down, even if it's, they do everything they want to, they cannot stop the church of Jesus Christ. I mean, if you look under uh, at China, uh, under its communist regime over the last 50 years and their attempts to destroy the church of Jesus Christ, and all it's done is grow and grow and grow and grow and go from glory to glory to glory. Someone say amen. That's what God wants for us. And that is our hope. Now, you might be this morning facing a uh, what looks like uh, the most difficult season of your life where this thing could not possibly ever become glorious. I'm here to tell you this morning that yes, it can. That God has given us the authority through the word and as his disciples and as his ambassadors to shift the environment that we're in and to make it glorious through his Holy Spirit. Are you hearing me this morning? And when we get that thing lined up, we can go to the next level. But God can't take us to the next level if we don't take the assignment seriously that God's got us in right now. Whatever that assignment might be. It's not a game we're involved in. This is life. This is real stuff. The decisions we make today, they impact our children tomorrow they impact our grandchildren they they impact future generations it's it's literally literally everything that i do is being watched everything that i do is being observed by the lord but also by our kids by our grandkids by our co-pastors kids you know (laughs) They're all watching all the time, right? And uh, the Bible says that we are all called as living epistles, and we're being read by all men. And when they read us, what do they read? When they study us, what do they see? Do they see glory, or do they see defeat? Do they see victory? Do they see joy? Do they see somebody who's moving from one place, one dimension to the next, to the next, to the next? That's what he wants. I believe that we can have that this morning. I believe that every believer in here this morning can be a radiant example of the glory and magnificence of God. That none of us needs to live uh, in a place where, where God is not able to complete his work and his assignment through our life and let his light shine. The Bible says, therefore, so let your light shine that men might see, might see, might see you and give glory to the Father in heaven. Right? What do they see? Are we being transformed on the outside as well as the inside? Is the glory of the Lord upon us and shining through us? That's what we got to ask ourselves this morning. And if you're like me, I mean, I've been believing God. I believe that when we started this church, that God said, you know what? You could have 5% of the city. Uh, 5%, what's about 50,000? That's 2,500 people. That's crazy, Lord. That's, that's a lot of people. God said, yeah, you can have that. 
And over the years, I said, Lord, why? Why is, why is it not, not manifesting? I even had people say to me, this, you know, this, this church should just be like, look at all the, the talented people, all the good things going on. Look at all the great preaching. I had someone say, I just said, you're absolutely right. I just, huh, help us, Lord. You know, uh, but I think as I, was, as I was studying this the past few weeks, I was just like, Lord, I believe that there is something that we have not completed yet. There's things that we have not uh, fulfilled yet that we can't go to the next level till we get it all done, till we get it right. Amen. I want you to stand with me this morning. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know, as you look through those questions on the screen about your life, but I can think of areas in my life where the Lord has put his finger on things that... uh, could be done better, things that could be done uh, more professionally, things that could be done uh, in my life that would help uh, my own life go to the next level. And then I think about the church, and I go, Lord, there's so many areas, so many areas where we could go to the next level. God wants to take us there. I could, I could start talking about all the things that I can envision in my spirit, and they're, they're just huge, huge stuff that I believe God wants to do. But this is one of those situations where, you know, what we have to do is we have to take a look inside. We've got to deal with the stuff as we look in the mirror, Paul said, and with our unveiled faces, we see what the Lord's showing us, and we deal with it so we can move from glory to glory. And we deal with it so we can move from glory to glory. There's some stuff God wants to deal with in your life this morning. God wants to deal with some stuff in us so we can go from glory to glory. God wants to restore our, our hope. God wants to restore our joy. God wants to restore our vision and our passion. He wants to do that in your life this morning so you can go from glory to glory to ever-increasing glory. Amen? Father, I just thank you this morning. And Lord, I thank you that God, your word is so incredibly rich. That Father, that you're able to to, in that passage, talk so deeply about how we need to be transformed so that, Lord, the glory of the Lord is even seen in our outward countenance. That, Father, that people uh, who are reading us all the time, studying us all the time, can see the glory of the Lord reflected as in a mirror. And, Father, I pray that as you uh, have unveiled our own lives so that we can look into your presence and we can see who we could be, and who we are in you. Father, you'd help us deal with the stuff that's keeping us back so we can get there. Father, I pray today that as, uh, uh, Father, as we just have some time of prayer for people around this altar, that God, you would meet people right where they're at this morning so that God, we as a church can go to the next level of what God wants to do. In Jesus' name. If you need to go, you can go. But what I want to do right now is... um, if, if you would like prayer, if there's some area where God's pointing his finger in you and he's saying there's some things, you know, where you could be pulling up your game, you could be more professional, you could be, uh, you know, more intentional, you could be, uh, you know, you don't have to walk around with that weight, that guilt, that shame. We want to pray with you this morning and we want to, if you've got a sin that's holding you back, you've got a hurt that's holding you back, you've got a, an unforgiveness that's holding you back, don't let that thing remain another day, deal with it today, let's take it to the Lord this morning. 
let's be liberated so that we can go from glory to glory. So I just want to uh, open these things up. We want to pray with you. Would you just uh, feel free to come forward right now? We want to lay hands on you. We want to pray with you. We want to encourage you. We want to build you up. We want to see God take you to that next level in Him this morning. Uh, don't be shy this morning. If you need to go, though, I know the children are getting out, so you need to go get your little ones. Feel free to do that. But if I could just have the, uh, the, the guys come on up here to, to stand with me. and I, I want, We want to pray with you this morning. So, Father, I just, as we put out that invitation, we just encourage people to come forward. We want to pray with them this morning. We want to believe God for great things in people's lives. We're asking, Lord, for victory. We're asking, Lord, for the spirit of overcoming. We're asking, Lord, for people to be taken uh, from their present situation and catapulted to the next. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you, but we are here to pray for you. Feel free to come on up. We'd love to minister with you this morning. We'll have our newcomers luncheon in about 10 or 15 minutes down the hall on the left. So if you are signed up for that, we're going to be meeting down the hall through the kids' unit where the double doors are. Otherwise, please come forward for a prayer if you like prayer. Thank you.